Hi everyone, welcome to Joshua Live. I'm Gary Temple Bodley. From time to time, I meet some really interesting people, and today is a conversation with Stephen Shaw. I met Stephen through Ashley Goner. She had him on her podcast, Uncover Your Magic, which is an awesome podcast, one of my favorites. So, if you haven't listened to that one, check it out. Uh, today is Stephen Shaw, and he is a very interesting guy. He's also born in South Africa, like I was. Um, and in his 30s, he decided to quit everything, his successful business, and just travel the world exploring. And he is a mystic, a life coach, an intimacy coach, a tantra master, and he's written 12 books on spirituality. He's a very interesting person, and we had such a great conversation. I think you're going to enjoy this one a lot. Before we get started, uh, we have a couple things going on. First of all, we have a, a new course, Business and Professional mastermind group and we're going to take a small group of people from around the world who are either in some professional business role or they own their own business and we're going to work for 15 weeks together to incorporate josh's teachings in their professional careers if you'd like to be part of this group please send me an email to garybodley at gmail.com and i'll send you all the information we still have a few spots left and uh, we're going to start in August, so we have plenty of time to get started. So uh, give me give me an email, and I'll tell you all about it. Also, we're going to have the last boot camp of 2022. That's also going to start in August. And uh, this might, will be the second to last one we ever do. It'll be boot camp number 19. The boot camp is the most interesting and expansive thing that you can do. It's an eight-week course. We'll do it on Zoom. We have four meetings a week, four calls. We have uh, lots of uh, assignments and daily emails and daily spiritual practice. And oh my God, it's incredible. It's the thing that will really jumpstart your journey of spirituality to get you on the same page as your inner self. Uh, it's really amazing. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about that, also send me an email to garybodley at gmail.com. Also remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, send it to your friends, leave a review. That really helps us a lot, and we appreciate everything you do for us. All right, without any further ado, let's get started with my interview with Stephen Shaw. So I was born in South Africa, too, in Johannesburg. You were? Yeah. Wow. In 1963. We moved when I was two to Canada and then San Diego. So I grew up in San Diego, and then when I was 10, we moved back to South Africa for a year, and we lived in the Santon area. And right across the street from the Santon Mall, if you've ever been there, when they were building it. Yeah. And you're from South Africa also. Yeah, I grew up in Cape Town. A little bit uh, different to Johannesburg. <laughs> yeah, all my yeah. family's in Cape Town, in yeah. Constantia. Yeah, Cape Town's a bit like paradise for me. And it's very, very similar to where I live now, which is in Los Angeles, California, on the beach. It's like almost identical climate. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So you started early compared to me. I started all this when I was 50. When I started meditating and when I started okay. meditating, then I felt a sensation in my head and I felt like it was a presence and it came every time. And so after a while, I started talking to it and asking questions and got these answers back that I knew weren't mine and didn't tell anyone because I thought it was crazy and weird and had my doubts and then just kept going with it. And then on November 15th, 2013, they said, get up and go right, right, right. So I got up, went to my office, closed the door and started typing out the first book, which was a perception of reality. And in the book, the first line of that is, everything is right, there's no wrong anywhere in the universe. 
anything seen as wrong comes from a limited perspective, but from the higher perspective, everything is always, always right. Okay. What have you discovered? Wow. <laughs> I can't put that into one sentence, but uh, I mean, my story started early because I was born clairvoyant, um, which I couldn't understand at the time. I think, you know, when you're born clairvoyant, you feel like it's, it's natural to who right. you are, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, I remember being like, I don't know, four or five years old and seeing beings of light walking all around. And I used to look at people and see things about them and know things I shouldn't have known. Um, but I had an unusual situation at home because my mother had severe bipolar disorder and it was a very unsettling, threatening kind of atmosphere. I mean, she was all over the place and seldom on her medication. And then I lost her at five years old. And my dad was a staunch atheist. So I kind of had this, you know, incredible experiences, but I couldn't share them with anyone. And your family is a really closed unit, isn't it? You're not exposed to the greater society yet. So there's no way, especially at that time, there wasn't really a lot of books out there telling you know, mentors and so forth. So my life was kind of fascinating and amazing for me personally, but I couldn't share with anyone. Um, and so the journey kind of continued until I was 11 years old when I learned Transcendental Meditation, which is basically wrestling it from my dad saying, please let me learn this stuff. And he was very against it. Um, and the meditation, I guess, but like you, kind of opened up more of the doors. You know, I had experience, for example, after just a few weeks of meditating where I saw a silver dot in the distance, even though my eyes were closed. And it came flying like a spiral into my third eye and exploded into light. And, you know, there's always little stepping stones that move me forward. But the frustration, I think, for me, being young, being in, can I call it a bit of a third world country at the time, um, cloistered by apartheid and horrible things like that, um, and a lack of information about what was out there, especially those days, we weren't sort of having this radical social media connections across the whole planet, you know, and all these gurus coming across in different places. So in that time, it was kind of difficult to evolve your gifts, you know, and have somebody teach you what exactly was going on and how to, how to manifest these properly. So I was using them as best I could and had lots of profound experiences and helped a lot of people here and there. Um, but things changed and I'll just condense the life story quickly. I mean, I had a number of things like going to university and getting degrees in psychology. Um, but it came when I was 39 and I realized that I still hadn't fully evolved and, uh, and grown these gifts I had. And that's when I just gave up everything. I was having a lot of success. I had a great business. I had a lovely house in South Africa. And basically, I gave everything up and, and traveled the world for 10 years. And my goal was to discover the ultimate secrets of life, basically, you know, or die trying. Um, and that's what I did. And I, I found Apex teachers and incredible mentors who then were able to uh, help me develop these gifts, you know, between Tibetan lamas, Peruvian shamans, and so forth. Um, and that was the best 10 years of my life. And I, I mean, I'm really grateful for everything I had before that. Obviously, I had a lot of success and good money and unusual kind of lifestyle. Like, you know, I used to die for diamonds in South Africa. But um, th- those 10 years changed my life for sure because there were these Apex teachers who are very secretive and they, Obviously, you have to go through a lot of tests and earn their trust, but they help me really grow these gifts and understand how to walk in different worlds. And, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's my life story in a nutshell. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, so really, this was a profound conscious journey of self-discovery. Yeah, I think I've always been, because of the gifts I had from a young age, I've always been fascinated about what is out there, who are these beings, what is beyond this world? And I always tell clients that you need a foundation in life of physical health and wealth. Of course you do. I mean, you can't be naive. You've got a family to take care of. You've got to pay the rent. 
you need to have strong physical health because your body is with you for life. It's, it's one vehicle you're driving for life. But it's not going to give you fulfillment. True fulfillment can only come from deep spiritual uh, aspects of life and, and from love. That's it. There's no doubt about it. In fact, last night my wife and I were discussing this. That, I mean, I'm lucky. We're having this great conversation last night, actually, because my wife um, is the same age as me, basically. Um, but she's in superb health and she looks insanely attractive. Her body's like 35, which I can't understand. Um, but when I met her, I didn't see her because we had almost like the equivalent of a blind date, which I can explain if you want to know. When I met her, I felt her energy field first and her aura. And I was fascinated with energy coming out of her before I could see her physically. And we discussed this last night saying that the most important thing in our relationship and in the whole of life is spirit and love or spirit and heart. And all the rest of things are nice. If you've got a great sex life or you, you look good for your age, you know, you're earning good money, whatever else. Those are lovely things. And that's more like success. But true fulfillment can only come through spirit and heart. Yeah. So I think, um, and we were discussing it in terms of relationships in actual fact, because when I was younger, obviously, I mean, 20s, 30s, I, I was looking after, uh, looking out for gorgeous and pretty and sexy curves and all that nonsense, right? And that's great, but wow, I went through a lot of bad relationships. Me too. A lot of, a lot of evolution, a lot of realizing this is not working. And this is what we discussed last night. I, I tried many different relationships on purpose. I would try somebody who was more intellectual and someone more athletic, someone more who was a model, you know, I, always trying different things, trying to see like, what do I need? What do I want? But I eventually came to this point where I was, after these 10 years of traveling around the world, where I was highly focused on spirit and heart, and that became my priority in life. Um, and that led me to radical fulfillment and peace and joy. And then, of course, when she came across her path, which was only three years ago, I was in that space of looking only for spirit and heart. So when we met, we were both fantastically evolved, spiritual people, full of deep self-love, which is very rare in today's world. And so we came together in this profound, I mean, this radical relationship. It's got zero drama, no stress. It's just beautiful, filling and deep. And that's because of this whole thing of, focusing your life, your thoughts, your emotions, your intentions, purely on spirit and heart and not on the physical stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. What Joshua says is that what you think you want is all based in a limited perspective of yourself and things you think will make you fulfilled. But what you truly want are those pre-birth intentions and to go on this journey of self-discovery, discovering who you truly are and then living this life of service, not in the, I'm going to work at a homeless shelter kind of way, but in doing what your skills and attributes allow you to do in pure joy. Absolutely. And so what you're doing is on this journey of self-discovery, you're raising your vibration, which is your perception of yourself within your reality. Mm -hmm. And you're meeting people wherever you happen to be. So <laughs> they always say is, you don't want to meet anyone now when you're down here. You want to raise that vibration and meet them on this higher level. So do the work and then get to this higher level of understanding who you are. And sure. then people will come into your life based on that, based on that vibration. And the same sort of thing happened to me. And, you know, I was married very young in my 20s. It lasted 11 months. And then from then on, it was dating this type and that type and that type and that type. And always looking for these outside qualities in people before understanding the yeah. inside qualities. Yeah. <clears throat> and the plus, same thing with money and business and, you know, what it was, was this life of, I need something from my reality to make me feel good. So I was sucking stuff out of my reality into me, filling up what I thought was empty. Mm -hmm. And now it's a life of 
overflowing from me, from my heart, my spirit, to everyone in service. Yeah. Because that's my joy. Sure. You know? And so everything I do now is satisfying and easy and fun. And the experiences are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And getting to meet people like you and have this podcast, and which has gone on now for six years. So it's just amazing. It's, it it's a completely turning around from I need something back from my reality or back from the conditions into yeah. what can I give to those conditions. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's uh, what I call a transactional way of living. Exactly. And we call that too. You, yeah. No, you, you're approaching people trying to see what you can get out of them. Yes. Whether it's their uh, resources, their money, their time, it could be sex, it's all these different things. And that doesn't make you fulfilled because your fulfillment has to be on the inside of you. I had this profound experience, you know, in these 10 years. And one of them really jumps off the page for me where this uh, shaman activated love inside of me in a way that I've never felt before. And it showed me that love is not a transaction where someone's trying to fill you up with love. And it's, it's not even self-love, which is obviously critically important for relationships and for yourself, that there's actually like a fountain of love inside of you. It was profound. We actually felt this love, honestly, like a fountain pouring out of me and overwhelming me with love. It was, it was, it was the most incredible experience. And you realize that there's something almost beyond yourself and you can tap into that and that love can pour out of you and through you, which affects obviously you and other people. You know? So I think to summarize almost what you were saying, that love, is the key to it all. And I also think that I'm pretty certain, in fact, that the reason why we're here and something you cannot escape from is to learn to love. You know, whether you whether you using this new concept that this is a virtual reality, which is you know put forward by people like Elon Musk and different people, which is it's interesting, um, or you say to yourself, well, as a soul, you've incarnated into this particular reality with seven billion other souls. The fundamental question is why you're here. And for me, it has to be about love. You know, it's like as a soul, whether you've done some things wrong in the past and previous lifetimes, maybe you're involved in something that hurt other people and there's karma, or as a soul, you want to just learn how to love deeper. You come into this world where there's such adversity, such challenge, such difficulty, judgment, and all these things around us, which look so dark and sad and, and lonely. And it's for you as an entity or as a soul or as a being of light to learn to love. And you cannot escape that. And this is what's fascinating me. It doesn't matter if you're part of the 1% who have millions or billions of dollars. You know, you're one of the people who are on social media, who've got this insanely gorgeous, sexy body or a six pack of muscles or an MMA fighter, whatever it is out there, all the stuff we perceive. No matter who you are, from the poorest to the richest, you cannot escape love. And if you don't learn to love deeply and truly and radically and evolve your love, you will just come back here again. And that's what karma really is. It's like learning to love over yes. and over and over until you get it right. Yeah. Yeah. And our perception of reality is that to feel love, others must love us. Mm-hmm. But no mm-hmm. one can love us because they perceive us through their own lens of reality or the perception of reality. It's true. And all we can do is love everyone and everything as we relate to it in our reality because our reality is us. Exactly. So, so it's, it's this, just like you said, non-transactional way of doing it. Yeah. Most, most of us are in the old days where I'll love you only when you love me first. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't dare risk loving you before then because I could get hurt, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, for me, there's the two greatest journeys in my life has been the radical spiritual stuff I've been through and the radical love. And I mean, obviously they're related, but 
all the work I did with Tibetan Lamas, Peruvian Shamans, which is growing your consciousness, ascending your consciousness, being able to walk in different worlds like the Shamans and looking to the different multi-dimensions, talking to different beings like you do as well. That is amazing because it's showing you what life's really about, what it's truly about. But the love thing is also equally super important. And everybody needs to learn how to truly love. It's not, you know, the love thing is interesting because it's not about hormones and pheromones. You know, when you sexually attract someone or there's chemistry, because that fizzles out really quickly. Give it six months sometimes, you know? And it's not about the passionate, emotional kind of love where you love someone like crazy. And then six months later or a year later, they're saying, I hate you. Because that's not love either, right? That love, that true love is when you have deep compassion for other people and deep kindness, but also for yourself and growing that love every day. It's really, it's kind of the most exciting thing in the world, experiencing deeper and richer love every single day. And it's far more powerful than we think it is. It's not this rainbows and hearts floating around. It's it's this real power to be authentic. So it is the closer you are to being, the more authentic you get, the closer you are to being love. Because in essence, we are love. In essence, everything is love. Everything is the manifestation of love. But in order to understand love, you have to understand the flip side of that, which is fear. And so a lot of people are having fear-based experiences in order to learn love and they're trying to control and they're trying to effort and struggle and mm-hmm. change the conditions and mm-hmm. do things. And that's what the majority of the world is doing right now. But everyone's on this journey from fear to love, but until you've explored the fear in other lifetimes, you can't ever get to really having the right context for what love truly is. And it's so far beyond what we can even imagine it. And I've, I've had experiences one with a massive dose of MDMA where I saw who someone really was, exactly who they were. Uh-huh. And it was far beyond what their physical presence was showing. The person happened to be in a lot of fear, but I saw who they truly were and that who they truly were was going to come out at some point, yeah. but they were hiding away from that. That, yeah. that was, you know, one of the gifts that I've always had, which I thought everyone had, is that I could see people for who they truly are to an extent. And I would, you know, see their amazing power and abilities that they couldn't see themselves, which was very difficult for them often because I was holding them to the standard of who they truly were and they couldn't keep up at that standard. Sure. You know, and I've just realized that that was who I was when I was a little kid, but I thought everyone could do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, so you have these abilities and talents and like you did that at first you think everyone has the same thing. You don't realize that it's different mm-hmm. and then you don't get it. You know, it sort of makes it difficult. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's quite, it's quite fascinating too because we are born with different kinds of traits and intelligences and, and, and talents, you know? And People like you and me perhaps have been born with a certain spiritual aspect that is highly developed probably through previous lifetimes, right? And other people come into this world with beautiful musical skills, right? I mean, you know, me and music, like I love listening to music, but I cannot sing. I cannot hold a tune. Nor can I. I cannot play (laughs) play music. So I'm always admiring people who can even read music. It's amazing. You can sing, you can hear music. So some people are born with musical intelligence. Some people more with social intelligence. Some people with mathematical intelligence, some people with athletic intelligence, you know, become, you know, MMA fighters or action superstars. And so everyone's kind of different. And, and it's really interesting because it makes a, a, an attractive mix on this earth and a diversity. But underneath it all, 
the ultimate goal is still going to be that you are opening yourself up to what is really the meaning of life, you know, what spirit is about. And I think there was a program on, uh, on television I looked at briefly yesterday where there was a well-known athlete who was top of his game, but he was having an absolute existential crisis. And it just shows you that no matter how talented you are, how rich you are, whatever that may be, musical, athletic, whatever, that at some point in your life, you will get to a point where you have what I call a life crisis. Because unless you are operating in some form of spirit and love, for some people it's religion, which is fine, it's a stepping stone. Some people it's, it's new age spirituality. But unless you're moving in some direction towards some sort of spirituality, some sort of, you know, what is beyond this life, and increasing love for yourself and other people, you will hit a life crisis. Mine was, mine was 39 years old for many reasons. And for other people, it might be 25, 45, whatever it may be. But that life crisis is actually one of the best things that can happen to you. Because the universe is basically slapping you in the face and saying, hey, you're walking in the wrong direction. Let's do something different. Yeah, that let's was, find out exactly. That was me. I was 45. Yeah. I was very successful and lost everything in the, in the uh, financial crisis of 2008. Right. But you, it seems like, consciously went on this journey to explore. Did you have a crisis before then? No, the crisis was, crisis was at 39 because, you know, there's a, a simple formula I say to clients now that success minus fulfillment equals a life crisis. Yeah. So sometimes it's a huge blessing to have a lot of success. You know, if you are, your body's in great shape and you're making lots of money and you, you, you've got a great job or uh, entrepreneurship or whatever else you're doing and you have a lot of great success, that's sometimes be awesome because success will lead you into a place where you realize there's no fulfillment in that. Yes, very we, much we, so. need, we need fulfillment. And I'm always saying to people, definitely, you know, get your exercise, get your nutrition. Your body is a foundation for this life. It's important. And find ways to make money, get a job you love and so forth. But success without fulfillment leads to a life crisis. And my life crisis came because of a number of factors that I hadn't quite resolved, a couple of issues from my childhood, uh, that I'd been betrayed when I was 21 by the woman I married. I mean, we were both young and naive. I'm not angry or I don't blame. It, it is what it is. All these different things. Plus, I was uh, viciously attacked when I was 25 and got PTSD, which, wow, that is hard to get rid of. That's almost incurable. Although there are many techniques today that, as you well know, you mentioned yeah. MDMA, for example. Yeah. Right. Um, so there was a number of factors, which I would say, you know, I'd already conquered everything mentally because I, I was a radical student. I was a voracious reader and so forth. Insatiable curiosity about everything. I mean, everything in life. But it's the emotional thing. It's a point in life you realize, like, I'm not waking up excited every day. I don't get out of bed full of joy. I can't see where the future is. I can't see how to make myself feel radically happy and fulfilled. That life crisis hit, hit me at 39. And then I, as you said, I had a very conscious intention. And because I was born with this spiritual talent, as opposed to say athletic or musical, I knew what I wanted. I'd already done the seminars and read the books and been down every kind of road. And so I you received that, inspiration. Absolutely. I couldn't, have, yeah, I couldn't have, a, I had a feeling like I couldn't get enough from what I had, even spiritually. And so I had to search for the best teachers in the world. That's what I did. Yeah. 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 And that is what we call the inspired path. And so when you're on that inspired path and you're on this journey of self-discovery and you're acting on inspiration, that's moving you towards higher levels of experiences that are ex expansive and one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. But as yeah. long as you're on that journey, but a lot of people don't want to lose what they have. So imagine where you are 39 years old. See, I, I had to lose it. I look back now it was the best thing that ever happened because I never would have given it up. 
sure. would have kept yeah. being unsatisfied, unfulfilled. And what I did was, no matter how much how successful or much money I made, I always, you know, bet the farm on the next thing because <laughs> it was never enough. So maybe sure. this will be enough. Maybe that yeah. will be enough. And luckily, lost everything and had to come back yeah. and yeah. and uh, we found the secret, which really helped. And then Abraham Hicks and we went to the seminars sure. and. And then started just focusing on passions and living mm -hmm. this really life of ease and joy. And then inspiration came flooding in. Sure. Yeah. So, so when did you have this um, moment where you started connecting to Joshua? I was, you know, had the inspiration to meditate. Sure. And then the, you know, feeling came in. It was a sensation in my skull. It would move yeah. around. It was very yeah. obvious. Right. And I, you know, said, you know, what's happening here and started asking questions. Like I was on the hot seat with Abraham and got mm -hmm. these answers back. And then when I, one day I said, who is this? And they said, we are Joshua. And then from then all these other experiences happened, but I didn't tell anyone because my whole thing was conformity. I wanted to conform. Sure. I wanted to be normal. I wanted, yeah. I, I felt not enough or unworthy. And so in order to be worthy of other people's friendship and love mm -hmm. and I had to be as normal as possible. Well, this, this is the most abnormal thing in the world. So I didn't tell anyone for a while. Sure. But when I started writing the book, I did have a lot of friends who were interested in Abraham. And so I would just send them pages as I was written, writing it. And I wrote the book half an hour a day for eight weeks straight, but just half an hour a day, just, just come, coming through. And it felt like mumbo jumbo, but then I would read it back later. And the whole book was written completely as if it was written before, like I dictated it. And then I... <clears throat> um, met a few people, went out to a few things, sent the book to a few people and met Jules Johnson of the Law of Attraction Radio Network. And um, I went on a cruise as a speaker. And while on that cruise, she hypnotized me and I started speaking Joshua. Wow. And so that took a few sessions and then Joshua just came out and, you know, that was yeah. six, yeah. seven years ago. And so it just escalated and escalated. Now there's five books and courses and all kinds of things and this big podcast but had i saw who i was going to become when i started what is that no way because i had to put push past so much fear of being seen as this weird guy because i was never woo woo i was never into this stuff i was into motivation i was you know without even knowing what it was it was a lot of spiritual stuff but i was thought it was you know this motivation stuff and i was you know i could see people who they were i had all these abilities but i couldn't i didn't know that at the time and what we're seeing now is as people are going through this course we call it the boot camp and the essential experience everyone who's going through it almost everyone is either becoming a channel or a medium or a healer or you know some other th thing they're inspired to do but but what joshua says is as you raise that vibration these natural abilities that do not serve you if you're in fear start to come in line when you're living a more love-based thing. Yeah. And, and some of the things are bizarre. And this weekend I was with my friends in the mountains and uh, one of my friends who, was, who started the uh, boot camp and essential experience, she was just this <laughs> totally wonderful, normal person. And she's become a full-on medium where dead people come to her sure. and she can explain everything. So, but it's, it's been up to this point, it's only happened since November, up to this point, it's been mostly people she knows. 
So we're at this group and one of the girls is young and her friend um, died earlier this year. And so I get Christy on the phone and said, you know, here's this person. And she goes, boom, 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 boom. Right. And I'm sitting next to the girl and this girl who died comes into my body. And I just feel the joy and the love and tears are rolling down. And that's never happened to me before. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So it's all these things that are proving to us that there's so much more that we can't perceive yet, but we're going that in that direction. Exactly. So do you still feel like kind of weird and and, unworthy and all that stuff you mentioned? No, I've had nine years of this. Okay. Nine years of intense everyday okay. study and practice and experiences. And, you know, I've done um, psychedelics and Bufo, you know, 5-MU-DMT. Um, my um, MDMA experiences have all, been, um, have all been psychic. Like, not just psychedelic, but psychic experiences where I can really read people. Yeah, so I've gotten this point now and all these teachings and going through all the classes that Joshua's channeled that I understand my worthiness. I know why I'm here. I know how I serve. I know who I am. And this gradual nine year period, I've come from complete fear about letting people know who I am to be able to talk to it freely to anyone, you know, on this podcast and with the people that I talk to, it's easy, but we live in a small town and I can still do it with people. We just meet. That's good. Yeah. I think um, I think it's quite exciting. I mean, I can't speak about the whole planet, but certainly it seems like in America, uh, especially in places like California, yes, there's much more a situation now where, especially with the younger generation, people just saying, you know what, I'm going to be me, I'm going to be authentic. And this idea that people are weird, we're starting to understand now that actually people are so different, so much diversity. You know, we had this antiquated idea even 50 years ago that there's just male and female. Now there's much more... LG, I can't remember the whole acronym. Anyway, right. there's, there's mm-hmm. so much diversity in terms of sexual identity and gender orientation um, and uh, ethnicity. And, and everyone's starting to be much more saying, you know what? I'm who I am. My body is this. My mind is this. My spirit is this. My talent is this. And I, I think it's kind of awesome when you watch the level of authenticity happening these days. And maybe it's more among the younger generation, but I think it's a whole new wave of people saying, you know what? I'm not broken. I am lovable. I am worthy. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be authentic and put myself out there. And yeah. maybe there's going to be people who don't like you. There's always haters somewhere along the way who don't love themselves, and that's fine. Well, they're just in fear. Yeah. Oh, well, and they're exactly. just exploring totally. the fear part of it. No, totally. Exactly. I mean, it all yeah. comes down to love or lack, or lack of love, really. Yeah. But I, I, think it's, I think it's quite exciting. I, I was watching a, something else the other day. It's called uh, on Netflix. I think it was called 37 Words, talking about Title Nine. I was amazing that, like, just 50 years ago, uh, women's rights in terms of education were almost non-existent. Only 4% of anybody got degrees in America were women. It just blew my mind. And it was as little as 50 years ago. So it's kind of exciting the times we're living in. A lot of people think like, you know, we're living in really bad times. And sure, there's a lot of horrible pollution and global warming, which worries a lot of us. But it's also exciting to see this development in terms of people's acceptance of each other, diversity, authenticity, vulnerability. And I, I find it I find it really warming and exciting. You know? it, it's very much so. And what happens is we don't have a context of, you know, maybe you and I do 40 years ago, but 40 years ago, I was, you know, 19. And what did I know? But I can still remember being in South Africa 
moving from San Diego to South Africa and being in a store in Johannesburg. And my mom's in the store shopping for something. It's this little boutique. These two African women walk in and the clerks go crazy. Like, you can't be in here. What are you doing? And I'm like, what's going on here? You know, now I go back to South Africa and in Johannesburg anyway, and there's more, um, you know, more tables in restaurants of black and white people together than there are here. Yeah. So things are, are changing. Things are so much better than they were. Obviously, technology is so, so much better. And we're ascending so rapidly. And what's really happening is you and I and people who are interested in these teachings, we came in highly emotionally sensitive. We were, we, that is a superpower. And that allows us to really feel our emotions, good or bad. My mother was bipolar as well. I had that whole experience of her being sometimes giddy and fun and great and depressed and you know in a room all day long and you know and that bipolarness is just this huge emotional intensity where people are being bounced around one thing gets them down one thing gets them up gets them down gets them up um and what we're trying what we're working on doing is coming to this place of calm where nothing is needs to be that exciting. If, if something is that exciting, it's because you think you want that thing. And so it's distracting you from being in this neutral space or something you think is really bad. So we're learning to change our perceptions of reality so that we understand that our perspective is so limited compared to what our perspective would be from the non-physical Joshua's perspective or our inner self's perspective. And if we can look at everything from the higher perspective and also realize every time that, that we go really low, really high, it's because our belief system has been activated some way. And it's all stemming from this idea that I'm not enough or I'm not worthy. And everyone's core limiting belief is I'm not enough, but that's part of this journey. You have to have that coming in because this drives you forward on this path where eventually it becomes a spiritual path. And, and then you have to come to this conclusion that I've been, we were programmed to believe these certain things were true in school and childhood and society. And the number one thing we were programmed to believe is in perfection because we're living in duality. So things are either good, bad, right, wrong, better, worse. If you can believe that you could be better, then you have to understand or perceive that you're not enough now. Sure. So this myth is imperfection. In reality, everything is perfect. Everything's working out. You are perfect as you are now. You can't get better. You can't improve. You can expand to new levels of awareness. Sure. But you are perfect as you are now in the perfect place, doing the perfect thing for your journey of self-discovery. The moment you start to say, well, I could be better or things could be better, then you're living in this dualistic state saying, you know, if I can hold on to this ideal and try and chase that carrot on the end of the stick, I'm going to have to effort and struggle and control my way to that ideal that's manufactured from a limited perspective. Mm -hmm. If I adopt the higher perspective that, no, I'm perfect. I'm just not seeing it clearly. My intention is to see my perfection more clearly and the perfection of everyone else as equal Mm -hmm. this allows you to really see what's going on when people are in fear or when they're chasing after things that they think they want or they're getting angry it it allows you to stay more calm 
No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it really comes down to love for me as opposed to the word perfection. Perfection's a tricky one. Well, like love, is think, perf- love is perfect, right? Sure. I like to think of it like a, like a plant uh, growing. You think of a tiny little plant growing at every stage. The plant has to grow. It has to manifest, develop. And that's part of who we are. We grow. We all right. want to grow. But every stage of its growth, if we can just accept itself as it is, that's kind of love, isn't it? And that connection between love and not being worthy, it's the same thing. Whether it's you, whether you've been programmed by society, religion, the media, your parents, your child, whoever. But if you get away from the programming, or if you're really lucky, you have an amazing childhood, which some people do have, you always have this deep self-love. And you can then grow and manifest yourself. Call it success or fulfillment, whatever. But it's, it's, the plant is always growing. And at every stage of its growth, it says, I love myself. There's no such thing as worthiness. Because if you truly love yourself, you don't use words like worthy or unworthy. You know, I'm, I'm unbroken. All those things are purely a lack of self-love. And that's why I believe, without a doubt, as, a, as important as spirit is, again, I'm not really fussed if someone's in religion or new age spirituality, even if an atheist, because I think the most important thing is learning how to have this deep self-love, that you are not being broken. You're not using other people as a measuring stick. You're not comparing, contrasting. You're not using social media to feel good or bad about yourself. Now, I think the fundamental thing, I would say even that love is more important than spirit because love is spirituality. You know, if you are religious or new age spiritual or whatever else you want to call yourself, but you don't truly understand love for yourself and love for other people, then what does your spirituality mean? It's, it's, it's meaningless. So I, I really think that love is the key. And I've, and, I've, and I've heard you sort of pepper your conversation now with things like unworthy, unlovable, broken, all these kind of things. And I think the fundamental thing I am really interested in which is why I wrote the, the Intimacy Blueprint, which is, a, which is, in its essence, is teaching how to love yourself radically and deeply and authentically and how to love other people. Because without love as a core of everything you do, you can't really achieve fulfillment. No matter how spiritual you are, how talented you are, or whatever else you're doing in different spheres of life, I think the core of everything is love. And when, you, when you're having that love, then you can keep growing and expanding and doing all these beautiful things in life. But the inside of you is just a deep, full feeling of love, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. One of the first things that Joshua wrote was love and acceptance are the same thing. Sure. Absolutely. So, so to accept yourself is to love right. yourself. It's to accept absolutely. others is to love, to accept the conditions is to love the conditions. Sure. The tricky part about acceptance is if you perceive that you could be something else, then you have this contrast between this ideal that you have in your mind. And when I get the money or when I get the mate or when I get the house health, then I'll accept myself, which implies that you're imperfect as you are now. That's why you can't accept yourself. And, you know, so Joshua plays with this and says, you know, when day you were born, were you perfect or imperfect? Okay. How about the next day or the next week or the next year? At what time did you become imperfect? And so when you can see yourself as that plant that is at different stages of growth, but perfect for each stage. Or like the cherry blossom where it's winter and there's no blossoms now, it's preparing for the next spring or summer where it will bloom. So it's perfect at that state for where it's going. Then you can give your, get yourself off the hook for, okay, I don't have these things I want yet, but I'm in the process of becoming that version of me that will create a reality or manifest a reality that will attract, you know, we, we try and soften the things you think you want and more of the things you truly want, which is to express your love, sure. to expand in joy, to, to experience true abundance and true freedom. And then to 
go on this journey of self-discovery to discover ultimately that you're love. But I like to think, I like to think of, of the blueprint of the idea. What we do is we create a blueprint in our minds mm-hmm. of what we should be or could be. Right. And the difference between your actual reality and the blueprint is where you create all the uh, negative feelings. Yeah, right? that's what Sadness, we call the, the ideal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that, but, but that blueprint's interesting because sometimes I say to people like, change your blueprint so you will become happier. And other people, I say, keep your blueprint because it's kind of amazing. And let's strive and grow towards that, you know? I mean, if we didn't have people with radical blueprints like, say, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or people that transform society, forget about the money aspect, people are transforming society with amazing technologies, making our life easier, making it so we can work less hours eventually, and new technologies coming out. I think those people with amazing radical blueprints, they should keep them. But certain other people maybe should adjust their blueprints and say, well, maybe I should change the way I think I should become, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whether it's my body type or whatever else. No, I think it's a tricky game here, trying to look at each individual saying, keep the blueprint or adjust it. It depends on who the person is. So what we're doing is we're coming to the state of neutrality, where we're softening our desires, our ideals, our attachment to outcomes, our preferences, and coming to this idea that everything is right as it is now, accepting what is now. Mm -hmm. Then in that state, receiving because we're connected to the consciousness of source or connected to the consciousness of our inner self or love, mm-hmm. we're receiving inspiration. That inspiration will always trigger some limiting beliefs. So a little fear will pop up and we're learning how to process the limiting beliefs and push past that fear to act on that inspiration. Mm-hmm. That, expert, that action that we can take, whatever little action we can take, will cause an expansive experience. And through that experience, we'll have a new mental construct or we'll have a new perspective and this will add information to the limiting beliefs. So those limiting beliefs become more empowering now. And then that, that trusting that, that inspiration that we're being led on our specific journey of self-discovery when we're giving up all the distractions and just acting on that inspiration, like the inspiration I had to talk to you today, that will lead us to more discovery. Of course, we have to be open to the discovery. We, we have to come from this humble place of realizing from our limited perspective, we know nothing. And we're sponges wanting to absorb more information, trusting that we can't know how to get there. So Jeff Bezos may have had this amazing inspired idea, but may have thought, well, this is how I'm going to get um, people to like me or something, right? Or prove that I'm worthy. Well, he may have been driving and efforting and struggling and trading a hundred hours a week of his life in order for this thing to manifest, which is what I did, you know, it's, it's, uh, but then there might be Elon Musk who says, I do not care. This is the only thing I want to do. I'm not doing it to prove anything. I know who I am. And these are the things I'm interested in. And I only want to be focused on the interest. You never know where the people are. So when people are like setting goals, because they think when they attain the goals, they'll feel something they don't feel now. It's like it was for me. I would get there, don't feel any more worthy or don't feel any better about myself. So I'd have to go higher and have to do more, do more and have to trade my life by working these long hours and stressing out over these things. So when you have these man-made desires that you think will make you complete or fulfilled or satisfied, they won't but they will lead you on an expansive journey and that's good. And maybe you'll come to this life crisis and then reassess everything. 
Sure. But if we can get to this neutral place, knowing that from our perspective, all the things we think we need from our reality, we already have it all. We're already fully abundant, fully free. We can make any decision we want to make at any time. We, we have everything we need to do what we need to do. So trust that the inspiration is going to come and act on as much inspiration as you can. We're getting 100 inspired ideas a day. So if you can act on one a day, then this will lead you on this, what we call inspired path that will connect the dots to this evolutionary process of self-discovery. Okay. It's called the new approach to life. And it's, it's an approach that is not based in fear and control, which is what almost all of us were doing in the past. It's this radical new approach to life where we accept where we are and we allow the inspiration to come in that will move us to higher levels of love. Sounds good. It seems to be working <laughs> because everyone's getting these abilities and talents. It's, it's, it's amazing. So, so tell me, you, you yourself, are you truly deeply happy? This is a evolutionary journey. So what has happened is since Joshua came, there's been incredible changes in my life. Uh -huh. I've, you know, uh, left a wonderful marriage. Lily was really passionate about her passion, which was um, having this big furniture store and refer, you know, re refinishing furniture and making it all beautiful and design and all that. And I was on this Joshua path and, and I had the inspiration to buy this house that I bought sight unseen, this beautiful Victorian mansion to hold retreats. And I get up here and I get to the back staircase. I'm taking a tour of the house and I see this, this vision that I've had in my dreams since I'm 20 something years old. I had this recurring dream of this house that needed to be repaired. This old, this house was built in 1907. And I go, oh my God, this is the house. So I said, okay, I'm going to move here. We had a very nice parting of the ways. We're still best friends. And I started a life up here. Suddenly Tracy just appears in my life. We have this incredible romance. We fall madly in love. We're together all the time. We're doing everything together. It's unbelievable. Um, financially, everything's going well. And then doing this work, it's the most satisfying thing I've ever done. Everything's come to where we are now. Now it's evolving and evolving and evolving. So it's just, I had heard you in Ashley's, it's like you're going up this roller coaster, comes down a little bit, and then keeps going higher over time. So the new experience, so now I wake up in the morning, totally fulfilled with what I do, um, drained energetically for the last six months or so, preparing for this next stage, which is going on this another roller coaster ride up. And so, you know, the, the experiences that I've had in the last nine years were probably more intense and more experiences than my previous 50 years. And what I've learned about myself and how this all works, it's just been this incredible journey forward and forward, and it's evolving all the time. Sure. So, why, why do you say you've been drained energetically for the last six months? Um, there's a lot of energy that I've been moving around okay. in my body, uh, a lot of special channeling we've been doing. We, I do this course that I'm channeling as, as we're doing it. So there's, you know, lots of channeling work. I've you know, doing other podcasts and doing my podcast. So there's a lot of, and then releasing trapped energy in my body, going through a lot of healing sessions. 2020 was a year of massive growth um, through psychedelics, took me to a whole nother level of awareness. Sure. And so now I'm sort of catching my balance right okay, now. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, psychedelics are quite a fascinating tool that's used by shamans and becoming much more well-known in the last few years, actually. It's quite yeah. amazing. We have profound experiences, but I've had as many as I'll ever need. Uh, as far as I know, maybe I'll be inspired in the future, but I was absolutely inspired for each of those experiences. Sure. And people were like, especially when I did Bufo, I had no idea what it was. And the shaman was there. Um, and I went first. I said, okay, I'll go first. And I was like, you know, because this is a, you know, the kind of thing that's life before Bufo and life after Bufo. It's sure. life changing. And I just went into it with full faith because I was really inspired mm. uh, for that weekend. Um, so it, it lifted my perception of what's going on here. And it lasted for 14 days. It's quite an experience that it's not, yeah. not for everyone. <laughs> no, it's not, not for, for everyone. everyone. No. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the single most intense radical psychedelic. Have you done planet. it? Of course. I mean, my God, it's, it's the most <laughs> radical and I always say to people that will take you from zero to a hundred in, in seconds. And it's, it's a, it's the most direct path to source you can go on. It's incredible. It's, it's, it, but it's not for everyone. It's, it can be pretty terrifying for people too. Do you remember every part of it? You can't, it's impossible. Okay. Here's what I, I remember every instant of it. Oh, yeah. I breathe, collapse, wake up yeah, yeah. in the universe on a, yeah. on a bubbles, million of these turquoise bubbles. Sure. And there's chanting. We love you. We love you. We love you through every cell in my body. And then I say, I love you. I love you. And I start to stand up. I say, I, I am love. I am love. I am love. And it was like me and source realizing we're love. And when I went like this, the whole most amazing feeling, the whole universe shook. And then everyone who was in the room, all my friends, I saw who each of them was on the, on their inner self, their soul level. I saw their souls. They are all rightly white. The whole room was white. And I'm looking at each one of them going, I know you screaming. I know you were in the 22nd floor apartment in Manhattan, glass everywhere, but there's, you couldn't see the furniture. You could see the people and their clothes. They're all lit from within. And I knew who everyone is except for the shaman. And I'm like, he's from somewhere else. You know, he's coming here from somewhere else. Sure. And then I, uh, I instantly got all the information of the universe, yin yang, infinity, all these concepts. I knew it all. And I realized that we're only in non-physical for what seems like a few minutes. Sure. There's yeah. nothing to talk to. I've, I've been talking to all these people. Some of the people I've known for years and some people I just met, but I knew sure. each one of them eternally. Right. Sure. But there's nothing to communicate because we know each other. There's nothing to say. And we know so there's no, no way of having conversations like this. Then I see every life I've ever lived, starting with an amoeba, and it flies through me and feel the emotion of every life. And then I sit down. I understand that my, my one friend is Jesus there <laughs> who was holding space for me. It was amazing. And everyone is looking at me with perfect understanding. They perfectly understand every word I say. And then I come back down. Now I'm sitting on the couch now. Then I come back down from 10 to 5, 10, 9, and their faces just change. The room gets dark, comes back to reality, and their faces change from pure understanding to how everyone normally is. Confusion, right? So this, this, so then I'm back, and when I uh, started, the whole... Skyline was sunny. It was beautiful. 
now it's storming, lightning everywhere, right? And as I'm telling everyone, but I can't explain it. I can remember it, but I can't explain it to anyone. Then one of my friends speaks in tongues to me. He's going, and I get it all back there. And this is the most profound memory of my life, this, this experience. Yeah. 15 Amazing. minutes, yeah. So did you have this feeling, the ultimate sort of thing is when you disappear into source? And you lose who you are completely? Or? No, you can't lose who you are. Okay. It's literally half Gary and half source. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell the difference between the two. And you, you can't let go. This was so every night after for 14 nights, I would have these downloads that were strong, like shaking my body. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was try to give up Gary and just let source come in and take over the whole body because then source can go and save the world. This is, you know, they were setting up this scenario. So I try to try to go, you can do it. Just try and let go of who Gary is. And I get really close, really close. And then couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And they say, you can't right. do it. You know, okay. you can't do it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it was amazing, but it was really intense. Everyone thought I was going crazy for those. It's extremely days. intense. It is for sure. <laughs> Did you have it where you had downloads or I know people have after effects? Well, look, I mean, I've done hundreds of journeys with shamans using a range of different psychedelics to explore the fullness of what it means to be a shaman and how to, you know, look at these different dimensions and go different places. It's something that required probably, you know, five different podcasts to cover everything. Yeah. But um, each psychedelic has a different way of, uh, opening up parts of you to different parts of who you are and the source and, and, and higher beings. But uh, Bufo is definitely the most intense. Um, it can burn away so many parts of who you are. And um, the reason why a lot of people who do Bufo don't remember the final part is because you go to this long, sort of what I call a vertical journey. And then at some point you do get absorbed into the source and disappear, but you don't exist anymore because you are now the source. And a lot of people can't remember that because it's such a profound, ineffable experience they come back to this world. They can only remember certain stages. Like, let's say the journey is from one to 10. Yeah. And you, you get up to eight, you can remember everything. But the last thing is so profound that your conscious mind cannot even grip on it properly. Yeah. So you come back only be able to report up to eight because the last two stages are so, well, it's, it's, no, it's no words for it. It yeah. is that, that disappearing into your source and, and discovering like who you truly are at this very moment. Um, you, you were mentioning yeah. one that you did that was pure love. Yeah, I, for me personally, I think Bufo is something that people might try once or twice in their life just to understand the nature of God, the yeah. source, and the nature of who they truly are at different levels of existence because you are existing in multiple levels at the same time. You know, we have this whole thing of who I am, you, Gary, I'm Steve, whatever else, but we're actually existing in multiple aspects all the way back to source at the same time, right? Because there is no space and time in actual right. mm-hmm. Um So that's quite useful in some ways, and I think that'll help break open some of your concepts about spirit. But for me personally, I found greatest fulfillment and joy and love is not from discovering that I'm God, for example, but from discovering love. And love comes down to primarily, I find, uh, MDMA is a little bit of a harsh synthetic kind of thing, which it's an amphetamine, so it can make you jittery and have a lot of side effects I find are not really useful for the body and the mind. There's some use in it. I use it now for helping with PTSD and so forth. Uh, as well as ketamine and other things, you know, I've done my maps yeah. uh, and the FDA. 
um, which is which is amazing. But for me, probably the greatest psychedelic I find for transform people's lives is is mescaline, which is found in the cactus. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether whether it's in North America peyote or it's in South America, which is the um, San Pedro cactus, these uh, mescaline is something really special and really beautiful. Um, I mean, it's got zero side effects. It doesn't have a high body load. It doesn't uh, make you feel any uh, discomfort afterwards. You don't have a serotonin drop, which MDMA often does to people. Mm-hmm. You can come out of an MDMA journey and you can not only feel negative physical effects, but you can have a radical serotonin drop, which can make you depressed for two or three days, which is obviously not uh, healthy. And it begs a few questions about synthetic versus natural, right? Yeah. But when you're using a cactus like mescaline, is zero side effects. I mean, nothing. It's just, it's just the most profound experience and it will take you into love. And when I say love, it's not just love like we've been talking about. It's also what I call therapy because if you have an insane download of love into your being, it naturally heals out so much stuff, childhood traumas, uh, social conditioning, so many things. So I, I personally, for me, mescaline is the greatest thing of all by far. And I've, of course, I've done Bufo, NMDMT, um, obviously shrooms, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so many different things. Each yeah. one's got a different aspect to it, you know. So, um, and yeah, ayahuasca just, too. I, look, I'll say something controversial here. I don't rate ayahuasca very much. I yeah. know it's a huge thing now. Everyone's going to the jungles and doing ayahuasca tourism, but there's a few things about ayahuasca you need to understand. The first thing is the body load is very intense. That the 99% of people who do ayahuasca are going to vomit and probably have diarrhea during the journey, which is yeah. very difficult to. Uh, very uncomfortable situation to be in. Yeah. And it's dangerous because you can choke on your own vomit. That's the mm-hmm. first thing. The second thing is ayahuasca is not going to teach you about love, which I personally think is the greatest transformative thing on the planet by far in this reality and in probably all realities. And ayahuasca is not teaching you so much about love. It's teaching you more about uh, different aspects, different dimensions, and what is out there. Um, I, I'm really interested in the essence of things. Like, for example, instead of doing a 10-hour journey by consuming a cactus, what happens if a pharmacist extracted just the mescaline into a tablet? Yeah. Same as ayahuasca. Why do you want to go and vomit for four to six hours right. and often get severely traumatized when you could just get NMDMT, which is this, which is the base component of ayahuasca, which is yeah. no side effects. You don't have yeah. vomit, you don't have diarrhea, whatever. And the other thing which people don't talk about, and I really think it should be spoken about, is two things. Your life is in the hands of the shaman. Whether you're doing, uh, trying to deal with OCD, PTSD, whatever it is, with a psychiatrist, your life is in the hands of whoever you're with. And people don't think about this. A psychedelic is only a catalyst. How it manifests depends on who's with you, who's looking after you. So if you're with a psychiatrist, for example, trying to deal with PTSD, they better be someone who's well-trained, well-versed in psychological issues, emotional issues, able to handle you as deep integrity and kindness and compassion equally when you're in the jungle with a shaman not all shamans are the same everyone thinks oh, i'm a shaman but they're not the same i know right. i've met i've met so many of them and they're all at different levels and some sure. shamans are not that good they don't really know what they're doing they just need to make money other shamans maybe have a darker aspect they haven't healed their own wounds mm-hmm. and the person who's looking after you they need to be in a you know this myth of the wounded healer it's a terrible terrible myth yeah. you don't want a wounded healer looking after you, you want a healed healer looking after you I have never had the inspiration to do ayahuasca. None of it sounds interesting to me or good. And the stories yeah. that I've heard from it are like... I know. It's totally overrated. Yeah. And the thing is, one of the worst things about ayahuasca, which no one talks about, 
if you if you really really insist on doing ayahuasca and there are some benefits from it then you want to do it in a very small group of one to one the reason why is if you've got and i've seen this so many times 20 or 30 people with one or two shamans if someone's having a crisis on one side and crisis, they can't be everywhere at once and right. then one person is drowning in the crisis and you can go and do an ayahuasca journey and come out more traumatized than when you went in and no one talks about this and that is a the reason why you need to understand that not only is your mind and emotions wide open and super vulnerable your energy fields wide open and super vulnerable and at that point mm. something goes into your deepest part of your mind or your emotions or your energy field that can traumatize you and a simple way to think of it is like this if you are wide open right now and i stick a thorn right in the center of you and then you close it up and come out you can have some damage and trauma and yeah. harm the thing is what we try to do in shamanism and obviously i've done work of so many shamans and hundreds of journeys is you need to be in a situation where it's one or two or three people max and the shaman's a radical beautiful person full of integrity and when you're wide open like that you've got to have someone put in love mm -hmm. or a beautiful high being of light or wisdom so that, that the core of you is transformed from inside out and that works that's when you have the most radical transformation but unfortunately uh -huh. a lot of people a lot of people are you know forced to be you have no choice you get stripped wide open and vulnerable and also another thing that can happen is someone next to you is having a meltdown and their stuff's coming out now everything's energy and consciousness right so if someone's having a meltdown and their stuff is pouring out of them into the energy field around you and you wide open it can go into use you can get actually picking infected by someone else you can pick up their trauma and you need to have a shaman who's so good that when you see someone's releasing what i call negative energy or trauma energy that he can grab that energy and send it away somewhere mm. else away from anyone else Interesting. but it doesn't always happen so i'm I'm very careful about ayahuasca. Yeah. You know, when you're doing when you're doing mescaline, it's not the same. Mescaline actually pours love into the essence of your being, no matter who's around you. Obviously, you want a good shaman, but yeah, mescaline, mescaline is almost foolproof and safe and it transforms you without any of this trauma, body load, vomiting, diarrhea, all the danger of you getting infected and harmed. And how long does that last? Mescaline, I mean, it's, it's amazing stuff. If you drink a San Pedro cactus, you'll be flying for eight to ten hours. Wow. But here's the nice thing about this. When, when you're on ayahuasca, and again, people don't talk about this. When you're on ayahuasca, you will lose consciousness at some point. Sure, you're going to vomit and whatever else. But at some point, you will not know where you are, what's happening to you, which puts you in an incredibly vulnerable state. Yeah. Although you do see some amazing things. When you're on mescaline, you always know exactly where you are. Part of you is fully here and part of you is flying, which mm -hmm. is an amazing place. Yeah. So you always have a semblance of control. Your body is safe. You know where you are. Hopefully, you've got some nice friends around you or a good shaman. But while you're in this place, laying or sitting on the grass, maybe in nature, you are flying to this profound love and to this therapy. The very first time I did mescaline, um, it kicks in in about 45 minutes, right? And obviously, I'm trained in psychology, which I think is extremely valuable. And I'm super skeptical, too. I'm easily swayed and gullible. After 45 minutes, this indescribable energy poured into me and through me. And I cried for probably an hour. I mean, we're talking ugly cry. We're talking like, just like ugly cry, like insane sobbing. It was a radical thing, a true catharsis. And then after that finished, I had an hour of insights. You can't explain this because you can't hear a voice talking to you. You just know things. Yes. Things are just happening inside your mind and you just know, oh, that's what I did in this relationship. That's what's going on with me. So you have, for me, far more insights than ayahuasca ever gives you about you, your relationships and love and so forth. Yeah. So that's like maybe the first two hours, which is like, three years of therapy, yeah. I mean, in two hours. 
And then the next six hours, I, um, masculine says, you know what? You've done the work for two hours. It's been tough. You've learned a ton. Let's go play. Uh-huh. And the next six hours, it's just like, wow. You, you, you see beings and the sky opens up and angels come down and you look at plants and become one with them. And it's, 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 it's amazing. It's all about love and oneness. So for me, and I've done dozens of different psychedelics now. It's part of my training in shamanism. When um, I was um, in yeah. college, just sure. one time, my friend uh, came to visit from another school and we're in my apartment and he brings acid. And so it's just him and me. And we do acid at about five o'clock in the afternoon. And all I felt was intense love for him. Okay. And then my, my best friend roommate came home, Bruce, and I felt intense love for him. They were in sure. my room in the apartment. And I'm like, how come I can't feel this normally? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just love these guys. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. How come mm-hmm. I can't feel it? And so that experience mm-hmm. led me to where I am now, really, which was this journey of why can't I experience that form of love now yeah and mdma you get there to a certain level you know i can express myself i can be authentic i can tell everyone how much i love them it's so easy and then you get back the next day and it's like it's the same thing that you were before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really frustrating i think for me this combination that's crucial which is a a catalyst slash psychedelic and b the right shaman psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever you're using as a, as a sort of guide. These are absolutely critical to combine them well. Um, and it's not just about integrity and, and love and kindness and compassion and trust. You've got to have a lot of trust in these journeys. It's, it's more a case of, and this is where it gets really advanced, really, and this is fascinating for me. When I was working with Tibetan lamas, tantric masters and Peruvian shamans, I started to notice these common threads in all of these people, which is surprising because they have very different ideologies and philosophies and, and ways of doing things and rituals. But the fundamental component in all of these people's teachings and the practicality of it is, is the chakras, right? Now, the chakras are an interesting thing because it's now become the central part of my life and the central part of what I do with clients. And everything I'm doing, whatever tool you're using with clients, it's got to come back down to the chakras. And in order for you to create this radical permanent change, you have to work through every single chakra. Because what happens is it's almost like when you take a psychedelic, you're going off to a foreign land and you're a tourist. You're having a vacation, you're eating different foods, seeing a different culture, and you absorb some of it. When you come back, you're just going back to being an American again or whatever your culture is. You're going yeah. back to who you are. That's what's frustrating. So you have a, a small touch and taste of what's out there, and hopefully you absorb a bit of it. But the problem is exactly what you're saying. You come back and you back to your normal self again. And what you have to do is you have to make sure the person working with you understands, and this is very advanced esoteric kind of teachings, is how to work in these chakras. Every single chakra, and let's forget about People who say there's 21,000 different chakras, just stick to seven. <laughs> right. but it, gets a bit, it gets a bit much. And a lot of people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. There's seven basic chakras. And those are the only things we really care about. And these cover every aspect of your life from the physical, your relationships, your love, your power, um, the way you express yourself, right through to your connection to God, source, angelic beings, whatever else, right? So it covers everything to you. Are. Those seven are enough to work on. And when you have an expert, hopefully it's also psychic, clairvoyant, shamanic, whatever, they can go into your chakra. Whether you're on a psychedelic or not, psychedelic is like a can opener, it opens you up. And they can go into your chakras and help you get rid of what I call low resonance energy, which could be childhood trauma. It could be negative beliefs like I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable. It could be um, uh, past life uh, things you've you've done badly. Um, There's a whole range of things, wounds, traumas, negative relationships you had. 
they go into each chakra and basically, in a very simplistic way, scoop out what I call low resonance energy, which doesn't serve you anymore, and actually get rid of it. And we take it to a cosmic trash bin, let's put it that way. And so you are left with less low resonance energy, and then they pour in high resonance energy and gradually upgrade the vibration of your chakra. And you feel better the next day or right away? You feel better immediately. And the Mm -hmm. thing is, it's a permanent transformation. And I mean, the thing is, there's a lot of new age spirituality, a lot of people touting chakras and that. And I, I'm trying to be really positive here, but a lot of people have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to chakras and how to work with them. The truth is, in my experience over these 10 years, the greatest transformation you can have is by working with chakras. And you can do it whether you want it through prayer, meditation, psychedelics. There's obviously many ways. So you can't say what tool is better, mm-hmm. but it is about changing the chakras. And when you do this, you don't have the experience where you're going off to a foreign land and sort of touching and tasting a bit of culture, bringing some of it back and maybe expanding your boundaries a bit, your, your ideas. But it's creating this permanent transformation that may take, and again, this is important too, human beings, souls, consciousness, you cannot have a revolution because you'd go psychotic, basically. You cannot have a thing where you are completely transformed from zero to 100 exactly. in 24 hours. Right. It's impossible. That's just, that just doesn't work. And this is what we, we have a thing called evolution. So when you're going through a shamanic journey, someone's working with your chakras, they're creating a change, which you then integrate and absorb and get used to the new kind of you, whatever that means, got new beliefs, new ideologies, new uh, joy, new happiness, new love. And then when you're ready, you do the next one. And you might be you're doing chakras, psychedelics, whatever, you know, once a week, once a month, whatever, gradually, gradually, gradually. And then you're slowly evolving. And no matter what your intentions are, you want to go as fast as you can. You're probably like me. I want to get things done. I want the changes. <laughs> I don't, I'm not waiting, right? But no matter how powerful the shaman is, how powerful the psychedelic is, and how powerful your intentions are, you can only go as far as you can go because right. there's a certain sort of limit in terms of, 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 I mean, a simple example is this. If you take NMDMT, which is different to Bufo, right? So Bufo takes you vertically straight up to the source until you absolutely disappear into the source and become the source, which is, I think, mind-boggling, obviously. But NMDMT takes you what I call sideways into different dimensions, you know, going up and sideways into exploring multiple dimensions. So um, I forgot my point completely now. They go too fast. Oh, thank you. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, like, sometimes you take NMDMT, you go to a dimension that is so far away from what you know, where the beings and the culture that's called culture, the structure, the consciousness is so far into who you are that you can't get a grip on it. You, yeah. They they can even speak to you in English. You don't know what they're saying. They're teaching these highest level concepts about the universe, about parallel reality, about a world that is so far from your own experience, even over lifetimes, that you. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. All I can come back and say, I saw these beings. Yeah. So this happens a lot in NMDMT. So this is where we have to say, no matter how much you have the intention to create this kind of revolution, you cannot. You have to kind of slowly experience different things. But the more you do it, the more you create a profound and permanent change. And that's what you want, right? One thing that is pretty much universal about people going through the Ascension experience is that they become, we do it in four weeks, courses so you, you do it's intense for four weeks you got a week off and do another course and you become more emotionally sensitive as you go sure. forward have you noticed that with chakras you now the chakras i mean it's been such a it's hard you, you, you know you reach the point it's hard to look back at where i start you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um because as you said earlier i was one of those people who was born emotionally sensitive and spiritually sensitive yeah. so i don't know if it's changed um 
I do feel that there's a profound sense of love, which is why I talk about love so much, a profound sense of self-love, which is not egotistical. It's just, as you said, genuine self-acceptance of every part of you, body, mind, right. and soul, um, and also self-appreciation, self-care. These are all parts of self-love. Um, and also, I think the interesting thing for me is your job is really to evolve as a soul on like a ladder up to the source. Exactly. And every, everything you're doing, whether it's through prayer, meditation, psychedelic, shamanism, is trying to climb this ladder up to source. And once in a while, you can jump two or three rungs at a time, but it's a gradual process all the way back to the source. That's yeah. the ultimate goal, whether it takes you lifetimes or you know, 10 days. It depends on what you're doing. Um, but also, for me, it's about what I call being a lighthouse. Eventually, your resonance field, your energy field, becomes so uh, pure, advanced, high resonance, full of love, that you can then, without saying a word, without even opening your mouth, you can affect people by just being near them, which I find profound and beautiful. And that's really exciting. So I like to think of it as a lighthouse. You eventually are shining a light so strong you can help boats coming in to find their way. And obviously some people might ignore the lighthouse. But that's kind of like the job that we might have as we're advancing or ascending, as you put it. Well, we that's, can really help other people. That's the satisfying part. That's yeah. the satisfaction. Yeah. One of your books is 5D. What's, what's 5D? <laughs> Well, it's interesting because I've written, I've written 12 books. Um, some of them focus on radical love and self-love, which I think, for me, people should start reading. That's uh, written a book called Divine Love, which is all about self-love and radical intimate relationships. And also They Walk Among Us, which is a love story between an angel and a human that also expands into radical love and what it's all about. But 5D is, a, is the first book in a trilogy. And that is quite interesting how it happened. It's funny how it links back to our conversation now because I was with the shamans, I, I don't know, how many years ago. And I'd already written the first two books, I Am, which is, which is still the best-selling book of all the 12 books. I mean, it's phenomenal. And I had just come out of a mescaline journey. And uh, as I was kind of waking up, I suddenly saw uh, a bald-headed, glowing guy walking in the desert with a staff and a, and a cat by its side, an Egyptian-looking cat. And suddenly I saw uh, somebody driving in a four by four and I saw this whole story unfold. It was, it was amazing. Call it the download or call it channeling, whatever you want to call it. But either way, I was there. And that was showing me the beginning of a book called Star Child, which is, is touched people's lives radically. Star Child is all about somebody who's traveling the world and meeting these esoteric kind of beings and, um, and how it affects the end of time and life versus dark and love versus fear and so forth. So I wrote Star Child first, because that's how it happened to me. And then I realized people want to know what happened before Star Child. And that's why I wrote 5D. Now, 5D is all about the cosmic experience before this whole earthly experience. Like, where did these beings come from? And it discusses all the various beings that exist throughout the, um, the cosmos and the galaxy and so forth, different kinds of beings, extraterrestrials. And it links back to what happened in Roswell um, and, and uh, the assassination of JFK and all these earthly events, how they link back to extraterrestrials and, and uh, the grand cosmic uh, journey. And how did, that um, come, how did that come to you? <laughs> oh, that's what's interesting. When I, when I write my books, I always say to people, there's a part of you that is writing. I have a skill for writing. It's always been my, I love English in writing. So there's a, there's a skill inside of me, a talent, but, it's, but there's something else happening when I'm writing, which is amazing, is I'm writing and witnessing. So I, I start to, I start either like Star Child, something happens and I see the beginning of the story and then I start to look at these characters and, and it sounds a bit strange, but I actually walk into the characters 
And so I can see who they are and what they're doing and their motivations are and so forth. So I'm actually living in it. And I start to watch the characters. And sometimes I'm not writing and watching what the character does. A perfect example is in, it's even in Star Child of 5D, but there's a, there's a character called Ra, who's the sun god, who wants to get into Area 51. And I, I remember coming to the end of writing for the day, like five o'clock. And I thought, I have no idea I was going to get in this place. No idea. Yeah. No idea. So I go to bed, right? I wake up the next morning. And as I'm opening up, I see the sun god. I step into him. So I'm actually inside the sun god. It's like inside another entity. And as, he, as I'm doing that, I see exactly what his thoughts are, what he wants to do, and how he's going to enter into it. It's, it's amazing stuff. So all my books, I mean, I don't like to say they're channeled or downloaded. They're more, I'm stepping into multiple realities, which is what I'm going to do as a, as a shaman. So the books are, are experiencing these multi-dimensions, these multi-dimensional beings and all their teachings and so forth. So you know, these 12 books that I've written, which all became bestsellers, and I'm deeply grateful for that. It's kind of a miracle for me. Um, each one is showing you an avenue uh, of how to get to deepest joy and fulfillment, whether it's through understanding extraterrestrials or understanding Atlantis, you know, the whole story of Atlantis. I've got a book just on that. Yep. Um, or divine love or this love story between angels and, and humans. It's, it's, it's just beautiful. But all these books are not me kind of writing them. They're right. immersed in some strange place that's beautiful and loving and, and high resonance and just, and it just pours out of me. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So let's tell everyone how they can find you. Well, my, my name is spelled with a PH. So Stephen is with a PH, not a V. My surname is Shaw, S-H-A-W. So all you do is go to Google and type in IamStephenShaw.com. Okay. My website is called I Am Stephen Shaw. The reason why is my first book is called I Am. Yeah. So um, if people go into IamStephenShaw.com, they'll find the 12 books which cover a whole range of psycho-emotional, spiritual things, a very advanced spirituality in some places. And also the Intimacy Blueprint webinar, which is teaching people how to have the most radical self-love and deep, profound, intimate relationships. It's all in there. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and meeting. And yeah. I hope yeah. we uh, continue on. Yeah, you too. And uh, I will just part with these words that and I know you're the same as me. The greatest thing we can do on this planet, I believe, is, is love and serve. So that's why I always sign off, love and service. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being here. No worries. All right. I hope you really enjoyed that one. It's so interesting to meet really cool people all over the world. And I'm so fortunate to get to do that in this position. I don't do it too often, but when I see someone who's really lights up for me, I can't wait to talk to them. And this conversation, I mean, it felt like 10 minutes, but it was pretty long. I hope you really enjoyed that as well. Uh, we're going to start a new course called Business and Professional Mastermind Group. It'll be a group of uh, about 20, 25 people all over the world who are in a professional career or who have their own business. And we're going to work together to incorporate Joshua's teachings in their careers to really transform that, uh, that part of their lives. So if you want to be part of that, send me an email to garybodley at gmail.com and I'll send you all the information. Also, we have a new boot camp starting in August. This will be the second to last boot camp ever. It'll be the last one of this year. So if you want to get into that one, please send me an email. Uh, it's uh, once you're in the boot camp, you're in for life. So everyone takes the boot camp several times. Uh, this will be the last one of the year for new people uh, and the second and last one ever. So there might be another one next year sometime. But if you want to do it this year, it'll really set you up for the rest of the year, for the holidays, and for a great new year in 2023. 
Uh, also, remember to like and subscribe and do all that wonderful stuff that you do. And uh, leave a comment on this podcast. I'd really like to hear what you think, uh, which I thought of this interview, and if you'd like me to do more interviews in the future. So until next time, have a wonderful week. Bye.